Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw. I'm known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net, the webalchemist.net, and at Empowered Manifestation, Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist, and on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. Today is the 20th of November, 2021. And the title of today's show is Kyle Acquitted, Biden Backs Down, or Does He, The Real January 6th Story. And it's been quite a week, really. You know, I don't know if you've been watching the trial. I haven't watched the whole trial, but I've been watching the Kyle Rittenhouse trial segments and I covered a bit of this last week, but I think, you know, all us patriots are so happy that Kyle has been acquitted um, of the charges that were brought against him. You know, two murder charges and one, um, I don't know if it was attempted murder or whatever. But anyway, and we, we saw how not only incompetent the prosecution was, but also how they were trying to rig the trial in their favour. I mean, the last one was um, when they had a an HD version of one of the critical videos of what happened that night and only gave the defence team a very blurry, low-resolution version and not until after the... Um, after the evidence, evidential part of the trial was closed. Um, this did not go down at all well with the judge, I'm glad to say. But anyway, you know, we then had three days of deliberation by the jurors. Um, we saw that uh, an MSNBC supposed um, journalist had been arrested for running a red light, trying to follow the bus that transported the jurors to the trial. And um, as a result, the judge banned him from, or banned the whole of M MSNBC from being present in at the trial. And we've had lots of threats against the judge, against the defence team, and also against the jury. So people were worried that the jurors would kind of give in and deliver a guilty verdict just because they were afraid of the threats against them. But thankfully, they stuck to the word of law. They looked at all the evidence before them and the verdict of not guilty of all charges was actually unanimous. And Breitbart reports on this um, verdict, Kyle Rittenhouse found not guilty on all charges. A jury in Kenosha, Wisconsin, found 18-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty of all charges on Friday. The jury had deliberated since Tuesday morning. Rittenhouse was visibly moved by the announcement of the verdict. And I must say, it brought me to tears to see this poor young boy. I mean, he's a kid, only, well, he's just 18 now, but at the time, he was only 17. And the trauma he must have experienced that night in fear of his life is just unbelievable. And yet he was so brave throughout the whole trial and then, you know, he was so emotional when the verdict was read. 
Oh, it just brought me to tears, I have to say. I was so happy with the outcome. Anyway, continuing with the article, Rittenhouse had faced two charges of murder, one charge of attempted murder and two charges of reckless endangerment relating to a melee near midnight on August 25th, 2020 during Black Lives Matter riots in the small Midwestern city. That night, Rittenhouse and a group of armed volunteers were guarding a car dealership that had been torched the night before. After Rittenhouse put out a fire, he was chased by a rioter named James Rosenbaum, who reached for Rittenhouse's AR-15-style rifle. Rittenhouse fired four times, hitting Rosenbaum and wounding him mortally. The shots also nearly hit Daily Caller journalist Richie McGuinness, who was covering the riots, though he was ultimately not wounded. A crowd then gave chase as Rittenhouse attempted to flee toward police officers. He was struck in the head with a rock by an unknown assailant and kicked in the face by someone referred to as Jump Kick Man, whom Rittenhouse then shot at but missed. A rioter named Anthony Huber then hit Rittenhouse in the head and neck with a skateboard and reached for the rifle. Rittenhouse fired one shot, killing him. Another rioter, Gage Grosskruch, who was armed with a pistol, raised his hands above his head, then charged Rittenhouse with his gun pointed at him. Rittenhouse fired, wounding Grosskruch in the arm. Corporate media and Democratic politicians, such as then-candidate Joe Biden, called Rittenhouse a white supremacist and described the violence as if he had set out to kill peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters. The prosecution in the trial called Rittenhouse an active shooter and argued that the mob, full of heroes, had been entirely reasonable to chase him. The defence argued that Rittenhouse had acted in self-defence in reasonable fear of imminent death or grievous bodily harm. In addition, the defence had repeatedly argued for a mistrial. During the trial itself, the defence said that the prosecution had infringed on Rittenhouse's Fifth Amendment rights by commenting on his post-arrest silence. The prosecutor also mentioned evidence that the judge had specifically ruled out of the trial. Judge Bruce Schroeder agreed and admonished the prosecutor but allowed the trial to continue, saying he would rule on the motion to dismiss later. Later, after the trial, while the jury deliberated, the defence filed another motion to dismiss after the prosecution used a high-definition version of a video events that the defence had never seen. The defence had only had access to a lower-definition version of the same footage. And, you know, this story about active shooter implied that he was going around shooting randomly at anybody that came in his line of fire, which was absolutely ridiculous. Um, the mainstream fake stream media had so twisted the story that, you know, most people thought he'd shot black people when in actual fact they were all white and all felons. You know, one was a child abuser, child rapist. The other was a, a violent criminal. And you've got all these snowflakes uh, defending these people against someone who is actually sticking up for people in his community and trying to stop the businesses and premises and homes even from being destroyed. And, you know, this coverage, if you look back to 
last year when the riots happened. You've got multiple Democrat um, congressmen encouraging more violence. Um, Pelosi saying, you know, I can't understand why there aren't more protests. And of course, you've got the mainstream media stood in front of burning buildings saying the protests were mostly peaceful. Complete twisting of the story to support their agenda and to support the whole Black Lives Matter agenda. And of course, we know that they were um, paid for by Soros. And we also saw images of how bricks magically appeared on the streets to be used as weapons in the peaceful protests. So, you know, it's really good to see that justice has been done here. But, of course, you've still got all these leftists, these Democrat supporters, who didn't watch the trial and who are still uh, spouting all the lies that the mainstream media told them. And, you know, they're saying, oh, he was he should have been guilty and, you know, he shouldn't have been there in the first place. Well, the rioters shouldn't have been there in the first place. And the three that got shot shouldn't have been there in the first place, protesting violently. And if Kyle had not defended himself, he would be the one that was actually killed. You know, this stupid prosecutor, Binger, saying, well, you know, you should have gone and given them first aid if you've got, um, you know, first aid qualifications, which he has. Can you imagine walking back to into a mob of people that were chasing you and trying to kill you, literally? Unbelievable. But, you know, they're so good at twisting stories and gaslighting and projecting onto the innocent what they would do themselves. So, so Forbidden Knowledge put out uh, an article which has a video in it uh, today or late yesterday, I should say. And it's uh, titled The Rittenhouse Verdict. And it's from Glenn, or about Glenn Greenwald. And the article says, whose leftist bona fides are unimpeachable, has become the target of contempt, indignation and rage from the woke mob for stating his professional opinion as an attorney that the Rittenhouse verdict was just based solely on the evidence. Of course, the leftists are not interested in evidence. They just want, you know, the outcome that they want, regardless. He says, this is a trial that has generated extreme levels of emotion, and there's reasons for that that I think are very disturbing, particularly the fact that the narrative that has been constructed by the national media around this case, almost from the start, was not just completely fictitious, and against the evidence, but was designed to be as inflammatory as possible. From the very beginning, the narrative was that this 17-year-old white kid, who was a white supremacist terrorist, crossed state lines in order to go somewhere, implied that he had nothing to do with, when in fact it was a community, Kenosha, Wisconsin, right over the border from where he lived, that he had substantial ties to, where he had worked, where his parents had lived, where his relatives had lived, where he had spent the day, where his friends lived, and he had a lot of connections too. Crossing state lines was a technicality that happens when you live on the border, not some nefarious act. 
And I just want to correct this a bit because um, where his parents had lived, well, his father and his relatives still live there. It's his mother that lives over the border. And there was a lot of tales about, you know, she drove him across the border with the weapon to go to the riots. Well, she was apparently working a 16-hour shift. She didn't drive him over there. And apparently the weapon was always stored in Kenosha. It was never over the border. So anyway, continuing with this, they would stress that he crossed state lines like he was going into a neighbourhood or community that he had in no involvement with or to which he had no connection and he just indiscriminately shot whoever he could find. That was absolutely the narrative. You can find viral tweets from members of Congress like Ayana Presley the day that it happened, the next day. Obviously, there's no way in a complex, complex situation like that, with lots of shooting going on, to know the truth so definitively, and yet they didn't care. They asserted the truth as though they knew exactly what happened, and what they claimed is what happened is that a white supremacist terrorist had gone and indiscriminately murdered people, a 17-year-old white kid, and this narrative was carried through with so much united force by the media and it was so deliberate. News outlets that always tell you what the race of the victim is, there's a police shooting and the victim is black or there's a political fight and someone gets injured and the victim is a racial minority or is LGBT or is Asian or anything else. The media will highlight that and stress that to racialise the narrative as much as possible. In this case, the media hid, barely mentioned, long news articles would go out of their way not to mention that the fact that the three people Kyle Rittenhouse shot were all white, because obviously this is contrary to their narrative. It's an important journalistic fact if you're going to racialise the event by claiming that this was a white supremacist. This is kind of relevant if he's engaged in a white supremacist terrorism that he goes to a place where there's every race, including many, many pe black people, and the people that he shoots are only white. That kind of calls into question, was his motive actually white supremacist terrorist if the people that he shot weren't black or minorities, but just whites? But they just buried it, concealed it, to the point that many major media outlets around the world didn't know what, that the people that he shot were white. And I just wanted to add here that he was actually helping to protect um, businesses owned by Asian people. So the whole narrative falls apart when you actually know the truth. This week in Brazil, the largest newspaper in Brazil, Folha de São Paulo, which is a very responsible and solid, competent professional news organisation, I've worked with them before. I know a lot of reporters who work in that news organisation published a major article about the Rittenhouse story and they specifically and explicitly stated that the people that Kyle Rittenhouse killed were two black men. The headline of the story was White Youth Who Shot and Killed Two Black Men on Trial. They didn't know that they were lying. They got that from the US media. That was the impression the US media deliberately created. 
And so there are millions of people indignant that Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted, not because they evaluated the evidence of the trial. Many of them, I would bet you most of them, the vast, vast majority of them, did not watch much of the trial or any of the trial at all. They don't see this as a case where the state has a responsibility to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt before sending an 18-year-old person, citizen, to prison for the next three decades or four decades for the rest of his life as just a criminal matter where the state has a constitutional burden it has to meet. They don't care about any of that, which is why they have such strong opinions about it despite having not watched the trial. They see this as just a proxy for a political war. And the other thing to note is that um, the mainstream media are still continuing all the lies about this. But on the other hand, as I, uh, as I said last week, this is causing many people to wake up. I said last week that I'd seen tweets from people that were basically saying, I only just found out that the people that he shot were white. I thought they were black. And now I realise how much the mainstream media has been lying to me. And so I'm going to, I'm now um, questioning everything and investigating everything. So the mainstream fake stream media have actually, um, you know, shot themselves in the foot, pardon the pun about this, literally because they're the, the cause of more and more people waking up. So that, you know, there's always a gift in everything, as I say. Now, given that there are so many uninformed people out there saying Kyle should have been uh, convicted. Now, I say uninformed, but, you know, in many cases, people just don't want to let go of their belief about what the verdict should have been. But um, you get all these trolls on Twitter and even Facebook and so on. So I thought I'd give you a few um, weapons which you can use to defend yourself. Uh, and this is from New York Post. Ten heinous lies about Kyle Rittenhouse debunked. And this was um, published on the 17th, so before the verdict, by Miranda Devine. Of all the willful lies and omissions in the media's coverage of the Steele dossier, Brian Sicknick, the Covington kids, Jussie Smollett, the Wuhan lab, Hunter Biden's laptop, and so on, Nothing beats the evil propaganda peddled about Kyle Rittenhouse. They try to make the Rittenhouse case about race, but it's about class. Punching down at the white working class son of a single mother because they don't see him as fully human. And it makes them feel good. They lie about him because they can. The central media narrative is that Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist whose mother drove him across state lines with an AR-15 to shoot Black Lives Matter protesters. All lies. A white, Trump-supporting, MAGA-loving, Blue Lives Matter social media partisan, 17 years old, picks up a gun, drives from one state to, to another with the intent to shoot people, was typical from John Heilman, MSNBC's national affairs analyst. So let's go through 10 lies about Rittenhouse debunked in court. He killed two black BLM protesters. All three of the men he shot in self-defence during violent riots in Kenosha on August 25th last year were white. He crossed state lines. 
He lived 20 miles from Kenosha in Antioch, Illinois, with his mother and sisters, but his father, grandmother, aunt, uncle, cousins and best friend live in Kenosha. He had a a job as a lifeguard in Kenosha and worked a shift on August 25th before helping clean graffiti left by rioters at a local school. There, he and his friend were invited to join other adults who had been asked by the owners of a used car lot in Kenosha to guard the property after a hundred cars had been torched the previous night when police abandoned the town to rioters. Kyle took his gun to protect himself since the rioters were violent and armed, including, for instance, Antifa medic Gage Grosskruch, who lunged at him with a loaded glock pointed at his head before he was shot in the arm. And it's got some images of Kyle um, very safely carrying his weapon, unlike the the defence lawyer, sorry, the prosecutor, being a... Um, pointed it at the jury, I think, in the trial with his hand on the trigger. Um, that was something else that he's been criticised um, greatly for. And it's got an image of Kyle um, defending himself from angry rioters. Number three, Rittenhouse took an AR-15 across state lines. A squire accused him of terrorist tourism. False. His rifle was kept in a safe at his best friend's stepfather's house in Kenosha. The gun was illegal. Wrong. Under Wisconsin law, he was entitled to possess the AR-15 as a 17-year-old. The judge dismissed the gun charge, which the prosecution should never have brought. 5. Rittenhouse's mother drove him across state lines to the riot. Wendy Rittenhouse, 46, never went to Kenosha. She slept late the morning of August 25th after working a 16-hour shift at a nursing home near her home in Antioch, she told the Chicago Tribune. Kyle had already gone to his job in Kenosha when she woke up. And then there's an actual photo of the um, prosecutor, Thomas Binger, holding the gun and pointing it at people in the court. Six, he was an active shooter who took his gun to a riot looking for trouble. A 17-year-old kid just running around shooting and killing protesters, said MSNBC's Joe Scarborough, who drove across state lines with an AR-15 and started shooting people up. On Friday, after evidence in court already had debunked his talking points, Scarborough called Rittenhouse a self-appointed militia member, unloading 60 rounds. When the defence called out the lie in closing arguments, Scarborough had the gall to tweet that he was embarrassed for the lawyer. Seven, Rittenhouse is a white supremacist, as then-candidate Joe Biden labelled him in a tweet showing the teenager's photograph. When White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked to explain why recently she slyly slimed Rittenhouse again, without naming him as a vigilante. And it's got an image of um, Gage Grosskreutz, who was testifying in the trial, was not a victim after testifying that he provided aid as a train medic to Black Lives Matter protesters amid the Kenosha riots. Um, Continuing with this uh, number seven about whether he's a white supremacist, in one story, The Intercept used the term white supremacist 16 times. 
The accusation has become wholly writ, but there is zero evidence. The FBI scoured Kyle's phone and found nothing about white supremacy or militias, the court heard. All they saw were pro-police Blue Lives Matter posts from a kid who had been a police and fire department cadet, wanted to be a police officer or paramedic, and one sat near the front of a Trump rally. That was enough for the media to brand him a white supremacist. Number eight, he flashed white power signs with Proud Boys. After spending three months in jail, Kyle was freed on $2 million bail two days after his 18th birthday last year and went to a bar for a beer with his mother and other adults, which is legal in Wisconsin. He posed for selfies with strangers at the bar, who the media say are Proud Boys, and was pictured making the OK sign with his thumb and forefinger. The false claim that this is a white supremacist sign comes from a 2017 hoax on the website 4chan to punk liberals who keep falling for it. Biden uses the gesture frequently. It was unwise to pose for the photo, but it does not mean Kyle is associated with white supremacists. Nine, he wore surgical gloves to cover his fingerprints. This pill was spread by Matthew Modine, Another celebrity big mouth, Kyle wore gloves because he was giving first aid to protesters. His face was bare, so he was hardly hiding. Um, and then again, a, an image from the courtroom. The liberal media and then Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden smeared Kyle Rittenhouse as a white supremacist. And then uh, it's got a photo of... Wendy Rittenhouse, Kyle's mother, who was not present with her son when he travelled to Kenosha, Wisconsin. 10. Judge Bruce Schroeder is a Trumpy racist biased towards the defence. This slur is based on the fact he would not let the prosecution use the term victim, common practice, when the jury has not ruled on a case. He told a lame joke about Asian food for lunch being held up by the supply chain crisis and his phone's ringtone sounds like a 1980s ditty played at Trump rallies. Ridiculous. In fact, Schroeder is a Democrat, has run as a Democrat for the Wisconsin Senate, and was first appointed by a Democratic governor. Bias was also perceived in what the Chicago Tribune said was his highly unusual decision to allow Kyle to draw names randomly out of a container at the end of the trial to determine which 12 of the 18 jurors would decide his fate. It's something this judge always does, he told the court. And it shows a, an image of Kyle. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse proved he used his AR-15 for self-defence against hostile Black Lives Matter protesters during riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin. On the second day of jury deliberations Wednesday, the judge railed against media distortions, although he seemed most aggrieved about attacks on his reputation rather than Kyle's. He threatened to stop trials from being televised, but that's exactly the wrong solution. And it shows an image of Judge Schroeder. Only because the public was able to hear the evidence for themselves did they become aware of the malevolent dishonesty of the media coverage which has threatened a fair trial and ensured riots if Kyle is justly acquitted. So there's your evidence to counter all the bullshit that these uh, leftists are trying to convince us was um, not self-defence. So um, there you have it. 
The next piece of news I want to cover is about Biden backing down on the mandates. But before I do that, another bit of news about Biden. Yesterday, he went in for an annual physical. A lot of us were questioning whether he'd actually do that or not. Apparently, it didn't include a cognitive test. Well, they'd be afraid to do that because everybody knows what the result would be. Um, but also, he made Harris acting president, Kamala Harris acting president, because he had to undergo the colonoscopy under anaesthetic. So we're all hands up in horror. Oh, my goodness. This completely incompetent woman is, is in charge. Um, and there have been many people speculating about the potential for a succession of getting rid of Biden um, using the 25th Amendment. And of course, Trump was saying, you know, the 25th Amendment will come to haunt him. And it was under the 25th Amendment, of course, that Harris was put in as acting president. Um, people have been saying, well, maybe it'll be Kamala Harris that's replaced because there's been reports of this feud going on between Harris's team and Biden's team. And of course, her rating is way lower than Biden's, although I'm sure even Biden's is not uh, correct. You know, it's supposedly 38 percent. I'm sure it's a lot lower than that. Um, the last one I saw on Harris was 28 percent. So she's definitely not liked. Um, but people were suggesting that, well, maybe she goes and um, Hillary Clinton is appointed vice president. God help us if that happened. And then um, she would get rid of Biden using the 25th Amendment and bring in Obama as her vice president. Well, it's perfectly feasible if you think about it. You know, they will do anything to get um, to maintain the power. And of course, Hillary in office um, doing it through a back door would be exactly what the deep state wants. But we'll have to see about that. You know, he ended up coming back. Um, he, you know, re resumed his position as resident installed resident and uh we'll see what happens from now but the report i wanted to share with you is um from becca news biden administration in full retreat federal vaccine mandate is now suspended due to onslaught of legal challenges and this was published on the 17th the biden administration is in full retreat over its unlawful vaccine mandate after wreaking havoc on the U.S. economy for months by mandating federal contractors and businesses with more than 100 employees force employees to get vaccinated for COVID-19, the White House is conceding it needs to suspend the authoritarian policy. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, announced that it was suspending the federal vaccine mandate's enforcement. On November 16, 2021, the Federal Occupational Safety and Health Administration announced it is suspending all implementation and enforcement efforts related to the Emergency Temporary Standard, ETS, on mandatory COVID-19 vaccination and testing in the workplace. The announcement follows the November 12, 2021 order from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals 
staying enforcement of the ETS pending a final ruling on its legality. OSHA intends to resume implementation and enforcement of the ETS following litigation, if permitted. This newly stated position immediately impacts employers with 100 or more employees who are not federal contractors or otherwise subject to Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services guidance. Such employers can breathe easier as they are no longer faced with December 5, 2021 and January 4, 2022 compliance deadlines associated with implementing a vaccine mandate or weekly testing program. And just as a point here, in the ruling from the court, it was saying that the this mandate was um, extreme overreach or words to that effect. So I'm glad that this has happened. It's a shame that they can't stop this for federal employees or contractors and, you know, the medical centres that are funded by from Medicaid, Medicare and Medicaid. But anyway... The Republican Party's official account pointed to an onslaught of legal challenges for the reason OSHA is backing off enforcing the policy. And a GOP tweet breaking facing an onslaught of legal challenges, including from the GOP, the Biden administration is suspending implementation of the vaccine mandate. It was a bad sign for the mandate when it was finally issued by OSHA a month and a half after the White House announced it in September. OSHA subsequently issued an emergency temporary standard that the federal courts have ripped to pieces as being entirely ungrounded in the law. In the order, the Fifth Circuit accuses the current administration of shoehorning the desire for a federal vaccine mandate into the best but ill-fitting vehicle the administration could find, find, an OSHA ETS, the National Law Review notes. Court points out that OSHA's authority to establish emergency temporary standards is an extraordinary power that is to be delicately exercised and criticises the ETS vaccine rule as a one-size-fits-all sledgehammer that makes hardly any attempt to account for differences in workplaces. The Fifth Circuit questions whether OSHA has adequately shown a grave danger warranting the issuance of an ETS and states that it is dubious as to whether the rule will pass constitutional muster, the legal analysts note. The appeals court language is strikingly adamant that the mandate does not even come close to passing constitutional muster. If the deficiencies we've already covered aren't enough, other miscellaneous considerations seal the mandate's fate. For one, the agency cannot use its ETS powers as a stopgap measure, but concedes that that is precisely what the mandate is intended to do here, the ruling added. Furthermore, it should be added, in addition to the court's explicit reasoning, the delayed timeline from OSHA itself throws into serious question whether or not the mandate is grounded in the emergency powers of the executive branch. The United States is nearly two years into the COVID pandemic and indeed over 160 million Americans have had COVID-19 and survived it with natural immunity according to the CDC's calculations. And my estimation will be that it's much higher than that because that's assuming that every American or uh, resident, as I am, um, 
who has had COVID-19 has been tested and found positive. I mean, I suspect that I had it last November, but I wouldn't get tested. I won't have one of those test swabs anywhere near me, thank you very much. So, and you see on Twitter that um, there are other people who suspect that they had COVID, didn't get tested. So I think there are far more people who have got natural immunity than the 160 million they're quoting. Continuing, there is also the issue that OSHA is waiting until after the holidays to enforce the mandate, which underscores that the agency is not addressing a true emergency. Whether or not the Federal Appeals Court gets the last word remains to be seen. However, the judges convincingly put the nail in the coffin for Biden's federal vaccine mandate in terms of its unconstitutionality. It lastly bears noting that the mandate raises serious constitutional concerns that either make it more likely that the petitioners will succeed on the merits or at least counsel against adopting OSHA's broad reading of subsection 655C as a matter of statutory interpretation, the court said. First, the mandate likely exceeds the federal government's authority under the Commerce Clause because it regulates non-economic inactivity that falls squarely within the state's police power, the ruling states. A person's choice to remain unvaccinated and forego regular testing is non-economic inactivity. The court then cited the NFIB versus Sebelius 2012 with Chief Justice John Roberts concurring. And to mandate that a person receive a vaccine or undergo testing falls squarely within the state's police power, the court continued, adding that precedent had long settled that it is within the police power of a state to provide for compulsory vaccination. Jacobson versus Massachusetts, 1905. The mandate, however, commandeers US employers to compel millions of employees to receive a COVID-19 vaccine or bear the burden of weekly testing. The Commerce Clause power may be expansive, but it does not grant Congress the power to regulate non-economic inactivity traditionally within the state's police power. Second, concerns over separation of powers principles cast doubt over the mandate's assertion of virtually unlimited power to control individual conduct under the guise of a workplace regulation, the ruling continued. As Judge Duncan points out, the major questions doctrine, this doesn't make sense, but anyway, confirms that the mandate exceeds the bounds of OSHA's statutory authority. Accordingly, the petitioner's challenges to the mandate show a great likelihood of success on the merits, and this fact weighs critically in favour of a stay, the court decided. The judges ruled that the failure to grant the stay would cause irreparable harm to the petitioner's as well as affected companies and employees. It it adds that the emergency stay is in the public interest. The public interest is also served by maintaining our constitutional structure and maintaining the liberty of individuals to make intensely personal decisions according to their own convictions, even or perhaps particularly when those decisions frustrate government officials the court held. Ultimately, the court rebuked the mandate because such powers fall within the legislative branch and not the executive branch. The Constitution vests a limited legislative power in Congress, the court stated, 
For more than a century, Congress has routinely used this power to delegate policymaking specifics and technical details to executive agencies charged with effectuating policy principles Congress lays down. The lawsuit in the Fifth District Court of Appeals, based in New Orleans, is just one of many being brought against the federal vaccine mandate. There are at least 13 states lining up to formally sue the Biden administration over its illegal decree. Alabama, Arizona, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Louisiana, Mississippi, Montana, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Utah, Texas and West Virginia. And one of the things that isn't mentioned in there is the fact that the vaccines, supposed vaccines that are being um, provided to people are still the ones under emergency use authorization. They are not the community vaccine that the FDA granted a license for. So that in itself uh, rules against the legality of imposing a mandate when it's still an experimental procedure. So I'm surprised that the court didn't bring that into the uh, ruling itself um, because it's, it's only a Pfizer version that has been supposedly licensed. And the others, the uh, Johnson & Johnson and the Moderna version, are still only under emergency use authority. Authorization, sorry. And we've now got Fauci saying that um, people with um, who have been vac fully vaccinated are getting COVID, so you really need to get a booster. It's absolutely ridiculous. And now just trying to make justification for people getting more and more shots. Um, the FDA approved. Um, boosters to be provided by, I think it's Pfizer and Moderna, um, for anyone um, over the age of 18, I think, without having a, a hearing from the experts. They said, oh, we've already heard all that. We don't need to hear any more. And um, they're now going after um, infants to use in a trial. I mentioned that last week from six months old. Um, Candace Owens tweeted that she had been called. She had a baby, um, I presume, six months or more ago. Um, she got a call from her MD, I think, saying, you know, will you uh, add your child to the trial? Well, of course, she said, no way, Jose. Not going to start jabbing my baby, thank you. And, you know, it beats me how any parent would allow that, especially as there is absolutely no justification for shots for that age group. And even the 5 to 11 age group, the 12 to 18, ridiculous and quite honestly, a crime against humanity. So I said in the title, um, Biden backs down, or does he? And the DC Patriot reports, Biden tells businesses to ignore courts and obey his order. Well, we've, we've known all along that he has no respect for, for law and order, for justice. And, you know, it's painfully obvious now that that is the case. 
And I'm still wondering about this, you know, if this is a movie or not, because all of this is just doing more and more to expose these people for who they truly are. Um, this was published yesterday. Joe Biden is telling companies to ignore the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals and to obey his order on mandating the vaccines, a tyrannical move that sounds like something from China, Iran or Russia. And um, it goes on with the information about the order. Um, this is truly what real fascism looks like, America. And there's a tweet from Tony Schaefer. This is the face of fascism. Jen Psaki might as well be the Reichsführer of communications for the Third Reich. And it's got a short video. Watch. This is from Election Wizard. Despite two court orders to stop the OSHA federal vaccine mandate, the White House press secretary says nothing has changed. Oh, makes you want to throw up, doesn't it? <laughs> and not to mention that, to add insult to injury, Pfizer wants to withhold data on the vaccine until 2076 which is 55 years away. So what are they hiding? I don't know what the result of that is, but I've got plenty of people on my Twitter feed saying, well, in that case, I'll wait 55 years before I allow my children to be vaccinated or for me to get vaccinated. You know, it's all such a, a criminal cover-up. Um, and yet people are still lining up for booster after booster and telling us all we should, why make a fuss, just get vaccinated, you know, crazy. Good news is that Robert Kennedy's book on Fa the truth about Fauci is now published. It was published on the 16th. You can get it from Amazon as a Kindle version for only two ninety nine at the moment. I got mine on on the day it came out, I've started reading it. I haven't got very far in yet. Um, you could also get it from a, all the usual booksellers. So, you know, people are saying how how thoroughly researched it is and, you know, how it really goes into all the nasty details about this man that has been, you know, wreaking havoc on people's health for, what, 50 years? So, um I would encourage you to get that because there's some terrible stories about what Fauci has done in the past. But there you go. Um, one of the things, I haven't got time to go through it, but one of the things I read was about the World Health Organization and the vaccination program that they did in Kenya, which was quite some years ago. I can't remember when exactly. But um, it was a very detailed article going into how the anti-tetanus vaccines or the te tetanus vaccines were aimed at women of childbearing age and also girls young girls and it included it was hidden within this tet so-called tetanus vaccine that there was an element which would destroy or impact an essential hormone for a successful pregnancy it's a hormone that allowed the the fertilized egg to implant in the uterus, you know, in the placenta and so on. So it was actually a tool for sterilization. 
And the report went into all the lab tests that were done and how they were finding all these, um, you know, this ingredient in there. And, of course, we've had um, Bill Gates talking about, you know, we can reduce the population by 15% with successful vaccines, um, nutrition and all the rest of it. But vaccines are a weapon of depopulation. It is horrendous. And, of course... We know the WHO is a deep state organisation and it's been behind a lot of the misinformation about COVID. So it, it just beggars belief. The more you dig, the more you find. So I want to finish with this article and this is the real January 6th story. Of course, we know there's a witch hunt going on with this uh, panel or committee that is subpoenaing everybody that was part of Trump's team. Uh, to try and pin some kind of illegal um, action on them. Steve Bannon um, actually got charged with, I think, contempt of court, I'm not absolutely sure, obstruction of justice or something by this committee. And he actually gave himself up during the week and, you know, loads of reporters there. And um, he was saying, we, we've done now. We've had enough time on the defence we're going on the offense and a lot of people saying this is a big mistake because they have to do disclosure now and all the truth about who really um, created the so-called riot at the Capitol, that truth is going to come out. And we know that the FBI have been heavily involved. It was all staged uh, by Pelosi and the team. So more and more information about that is coming out. So anyway, um, back to this article, and this is by American Greatness, and it says Terror in the Capitol Tunnel, and it was published yesterday, sorry, no, on the 18th, two days ago. The DC Medical Examiner's Office concluded Roseanne Boylan died of a drug overdose, but that autopsy result is highly suspicious. In 2018, after a local news crew filmed Ryan Nichols rescuing dogs abandoned by their owners, after Hurricane Florence, the former Marine appeared on the Ellen DeGeneres show. I always call her Ellen Degenerate. Not only did DeGeneres commend Nichols' long-time work as a search and rescue volunteer, she donated $25,000 to the Humane Society in his name and gave Ryan and his wife Bonnie a $10,000 check to pay for the honeymoon they had missed the year before, so Ryan could assist rescue efforts in the wake of Hurricane Harvey. But instead of heading to Hawaii, the Nicholses used the generous donation to buy a rescue boat. With his marine buddy and best friend Alex Harkrider at his side, the pair has participated in dozens of hurricane rescues and disaster relief efforts, according to Joseph McBride, Nichols' attorney. Three years after his appearance on The DeGeneres Show, Nichols was featured on another programme. But this time, Nichols spoke from the fetid confines of a political prison in the nation's capital. And instead of telling a heroic story of saving dogs drowning in rising floodwaters, Nichols told Newsmax host Greg Kelly a harrowing tale of what he saw at the US Capitol on January 6th. We showed up in good faith to protest the election results, but never would have imagined we would encounter the horrors that we did on the West Terrace and in the tunnel that day. 
Nichols explained to Kelly in a phone interview on November 9th. When I saw women being beaten and in distress, my rescue instinct kicked in and I knew I had no choice but to help rescue them. Nichols' account is detailed in an appalling new court filing that confirms what American greatness has reported for months. On January 6, DC Metro and Capitol Police assaulted non-violent protesters with explosive devices, rubber bullets, tear gas, and in some cases their own fists and batons. A tunnel on the lower west side of the Capitol building became a dangerous and likely for at least one protester deadly battle scene as police viciously attacked American citizens on the hallowed grounds of the US Congress. And if, like me, you were watching this as it happened, oh, I was just absolutely horrified by what the police were doing to a peaceful crowd. It was just, it was like a different country. It was more like China or one of these, you know, communist, socialist countries. It was horrific. Anyway, continuing on. Nichols? of Texas, has been behind bars since his January 18th arrest. He sits in the D.C. jail specifically used to house January 6th detainees, charged along with Hark Rider with multiple offences, including assault of a police officer, civil disorder and unlawful possession of pepper spray. So, what on earth turned two decorated veterans with a history of helping people in crisis into insurrectionists who attacked police officers. It was what they saw when they approached the tunnel around 3pm on January 6th. They hear people screaming in pain and crying for help. Women and old men are bloodied and injured, McBride wrote in a motion seeking Nichols' release. Training and instincts kick in and they head to the tunnel, wondering if an accident had happened and if other people were even more seriously injured. McBride viewed three hours of surveillance video captured by Capitol Security Camera. The extensive system captured at least 14,000 hours of footage that the Justice Department and Capitol Police are desperate to keep away from public view and described for the first time what happened inside the tunnel where a combination of DC and Capitol Police ostensibly was stationed to prevent protesters from entering the building. Just after 4pm, Ryan is sprayed multiple times by an officer standing on a ledge in the tunnel, McBride wrote in a November 1st filing. He is also separated from a woman who stood next to Ryan at different times at the Western Terrace. She was middle-aged and nice. Ryan promised to keep an eye on her. The woman was wearing a red shirt and a MAGA hat. Shortly thereafter, officers begin terrorising people in and around the tunnel, People are screaming and getting crushed. There is a pile of human beings stacked on top of each other at the tunnel entrance. People are trapped and there is nowhere to go. McBride focused on the conduct of one officer in particular with badge number L359 and wearing a white shirt. The unidentified officer begins to beat a man for no apparent reason and beats the man so badly that the man crawls over to the woman with the MAGA hat. At this point, according to the security video, the officer turns his sights on the woman. Then for reasons that no fair-minded or decent human being will ever understand, the officer wearing the white shirt turns his attention to the woman 
and begins to pulverise her. McBride explained, The weapon this officer appears to be using is a collapsible stick designed to break windows in emergency situations. This stick is neither designed nor to be used against another human being. For the next several minutes between 4pm and around 4.15pm, the officer in the white shirt relentlessly beats the woman. McBride furnished a literal blow-by-blow account in the court document. The timestamp is based on a three-hour video clip, not time of day. So our two seven minutes and one second, White Shirt hits the woman in the head with his baton five times in seven seconds. The woman is sprayed directly in the eyes by officer on a ledge, on the ledge. Uh, then at 24 seconds, White Shirt uses his baton to hit another person with a mask on. 30 seconds, the woman and others are still being maced and hit by white shirt and ledge officer. 38, blood is visibly coming out of the woman's head and can be seen on the white hoodie. 55 seconds, white shirt and other officers are randomly assaulting people for no apparent reason. And then our 2 minute 8, 17 seconds, white shirt makes his way to front of crowd again and targets woman who is attempting to escape. At 30 seconds, White Shirt spears and pokes the woman with his baton about the head, neck and face so as to inflict maximum pain. At 46 seconds, White Shirt beats the woman with his baton, striking her eight times in six seconds. At minute 9, 13 seconds, White Shirt punches the woman in the face with his left hand, landing five punches in five seconds with all of his might. I mean, this is horrific. Minute 9.35 seconds, another officer joins in and starts beating the woman in the head with his baton, landing 12 strikes in 7 seconds. Uh, 10 minutes 47 seconds, if you pause the video here, you will see the welts on the woman's face along with a disturbing look of helplessness. 10.54, officers push the woman around the tunnel. 55, the woman briefly collapses. 11.13, White Shirt follows the woman to the front of the tunnel and beats her with his baton as she's falling. 11.24, the woman is taken to the back of the tunnel and is never seen again. These assaults occurred about 10 minutes before the lifeless body of Roseanne Boylan was seen lying on the ground just outside the tunnel. Most of the violent brawls between police and protesters take place near this tunnel in response to what McBride calls overwhelming police brutality and misconduct. Body-worn camera footage released by the courts and seen here, there's a link there, show Boyland on her side not moving as her friend Justin Winchell begged for help. She's going to die. Winchell tries to scream while holding on to Boyland. He turns to the crowd. I need somebody, anybody, he pleads. She's dead, she's dead. McBride then confirms another report by American Greatness. Roseanne, Boylan's body, is dragged into the tunnel at 4.30pm and is never seen again. In September, I reported that, according to his congressional testimony, Officer Aquilino Gonnell appears to be the person who handled Boylan's body after she died, dragging her inside the building where he is then met by Officer Harry Dunn. Dunn told the January 6th Select Committee in July that he carried an unconscious woman, presumably Boyland, into House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer's office. 
The DC Medical Examiner's Office concluded Boylan died of a drug overdose, but that autopsy result is highly suspicious considering the video footage and first-hand accounts of others about what happened to her that afternoon. Future court filings, interviews and security footage will slowly reveal to the public how law enforcement, beginning at around 1pm that day and continuing for hours, attacked and beat American citizens who dared to protest the election of Joe Biden. Further, it will become clear that Joe Biden's Justice Department with compliance by D.C. District Court judges, are keeping several eyewitnesses to the terror in the tunnel behind bars awaiting trials delayed until at least the middle of 2022. Nichols' hearing for Bond is set for December 20th, at which point he will have been incarcerated for more than 11 months. He has no court date. More to come as American greatness continues to expose the truth about January 6th. That is just shocking, absolutely shocking. And I know I've overrun slightly, but I had to read right through to the end of that. It just is unbelievable that it can happen in this land of the free. So anyway, that's all I have time for this week. Thank you so much for um, listening and for being here. And I know I've ended on quite a negative note, but this is going to come out it has to come out and hopefully it will come out when they subpoena these people and uh, get access to all the video cameras and what actually happened that day. So we must keep the faith that that will happen. Okay, so um, just in case you missed it, you can find me at the successalchemist.net, the webalchemist.net and empowered manifestation i hope you'll join me next week for another cosmic creating show and uh, thank you to nancy for producing stay safe be well and bye for now you have been listening to the cosmic creating radio show with jan shaw a production of cosmic reality radio live long and prosper 